Wait for it. Good. Go. Okay, so someone posted this, and I really like it. It says, what then is true prayer? This is in response to this morning's sermon. When we see a crane or a heron standing motionless on the shore of a lake or pond, we might think it's meditating on the beauty of the water. But this is not so. The bird stands there for hours without moving. But as soon as it sees a frog or a small fish, it darts forward and greedily snatches it. Many people have the same approach to prayer and meditation. Seated on the shore of the boundless ocean of God's love, they actually give no thought to his majesty or to the divine grace that cleanses us from sin and satisfies the hungry soul. Instead, they are consumed by the thought of receiving something for themselves, some morsel to gratify their self-indulgent. Having visited the very source of true peace and bliss, they fail to appreciate it and instead give themselves to fleeting pleasures. In, the essence of prayer does not consist of asking for things, but in opening one's heart to God. Prayer is continual abandonment to God. It is the desire for God himself, the giver of life. Prayer is communion with God, receiving him who is the giver of all good gifts, living a life of fellowship with him. It is breathing and living in God. A little child will run to its mother, his mother exclaiming, Mother, Mother! The child does not necessarily want anything in particular. He only wants to be near to his mother, to sit on her lap, or to follow her about the house. The child longs for a sheer pleasure of being with her, near her, talking to her, hearing her voice. This is what makes him happy. It's just the same with those who are truly God's children. They do not trouble themselves with asking for spiritual blessings. They only want to sit at the master's feet to be a living touch, uh, to be in living touch with him. Um, then they are supremely content. Now, are you on? Are you on a share external? Okay, I can do that. I think, maybe. I am on Facebook. Um. So basically, that's what I aspire to. I've not been there yet. But you want to pray? Sure, because because I've been there. Is that why you want me to pray? Because <laughs> I haven't been there either. Just wondering. All right. Just pray, Father. Th Father, thank you for this time together, and thank you for the wonderful Father that you are. You're a good, good Father. And Lord, we just seek, uh, we seek to have a better understanding of the positive influence you can be in our life at all times, but even at the most, you know, Pastor Jason was talking about when we seek God, we're usually at the end of our rope. wonder what it would be like if we saw you and we were at the top of our rope where we weren't actually at the end of it because we don't seem to give you much thought then so help us to see you in all life circumstances the good as well as the bad and father god that we seek to seek after you and just seek time to be in your presence in jesus name amen, amen. all right okay so we have been talking about I don't know what we've been talking about, but one of the things that we talked about last week is the community care. Isn't that bad? I'm saying that I don't know what we talked about, and I was the one that taught it. But anyway. <laughs> well done. Hey, babe, don't leave me hanging. 
Wow. Ooh, Ooh gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's gonna be one of these days. Anyway, um, we talked about last week creating a community of care and the reasons for a community of care because to hurt alone is not a healthy place to be. And being in community is what God desires because he put us into community. That's the one thing God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he put a female in his life to help encourage and spur him on, AKA nag. No, uh, <laughs> it's actually not nagging, not if it's done right, right? Not if it's done right. Because, well, the same can be said for the man. We're in community so that we can learn how to share one another's loads. No, burdens. The difference between a load and a burden. A load is something that we can handle on our own. It's our own stuff. A burden is something that's too heavy for us. And we're meant to share each other's burdens and to put our load before the cross. And, you know, Jean mentioned nagging. A lot of that is based on our perception of a relationship. I can easily see it as nagging, or I can think the best of Jean and the best of God for putting her into my life, and that God speaks through her, and I can see it as an attempt by God to try and empower me in some fashion through Jean. I can choose to see it that way. Or I can choose to see it as, you're on my case again. I can choose to see it one of two ways. It's my responsibility to choose the right way to think about that. I know that the Lord hasn't released me from my job, so what can I do? I can't change the people that I work with, but I can change how I see the people that I work with. You know? And I think I told that... I told Ron that, you know, Ron's like, you know, I care about you more than I care about, you know, them, them, you know, and or the money from the job, you know, and it's like, no, Lord hasn't released me there. So that means I still need to work on my attitude. You know, it, it's it's not an easy thing. Um, it really anyone in circumstance like that. Yeah. No, I was just I was just going to go back to the nagging part. I was so well I think also the the I agree with that and at the same time I think even the first time the tone and the words that we choose to use make a big difference you know because there's a big difference between why haven't you taken out the garbage and hey sweetie would you mind taking out the garbage you know? Yes, Paul. So there's there's really uh, the way you were talking, Ron, that it's your responsibility to receive it in the best light, in the best way. Mm -hmm. But there's also a responsibility on Gene's part, using you guys as an example, to speak it in a way that you can receive it. There is. There's a heavy responsibility in both directions. There is. Okay. And also... But, hold on, I'm sorry, Kathy, I didn't mean to interrupt. And at the same time, I won't say but, and at the same time, just because Gene failed to do so in a moment does not absolve me of the responsibility that I have. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as a woman, it's my responsibility to make sure that the Lord wants me to say it, you know, because it's very easy 
the way of the Lord and this way maybe the Lord wants to say it himself. Mm-hmm. How many people in this room are external processors? <laughs> well, well, you kind of have to speak it out to be able to really work it out. Okay. How many? Okay. And how many have meditated internally, and then by the time it comes out of the mouth? Okay. Three months later. (laughs) Okay. Is there anything wrong with either of them? Okay. Because if you notice, there were a lot of people that have no idea on whether they're external or internal because they didn't raise their hand, uh, or at least they don't feel like sharing it. Um, but about the same number of people raise their hands for external and as for internal. God made us differently, but the same. Both patterns are okay, but we need to understand the people that we're relating with. And I'm an external processor, all right? and. I need to let Ron know I'm processing right now. I haven't made my decision. I'm still working through things, and all I need you to do is just listen. You know, or sometimes when it's like, you know what, I've, I've dealt with this myself, and it's all worked out, and this is where I'm at. I need to let him know. And that's all a good communication is. It's like, this is where I'm coming from. All right. I jumped in full force, and I have no idea what's under my feet right now, and I'm just letting it all flash around, you know? Or I'm on solid ground where I'm standing, and if there's anything wrong in my perspective, then show me. And it's it's one of those things, and I've shared this with Jean at times. You know, we'd be driving in a car, and she'd say something, and I'd look at her smile, you, and basically, ask, you've just had a five-minute conversation in your head, haven't you? <laughs> because we can internally, we can process a thousand words a minute. Internally, we can pro- we can't speak a thousand words per minute. But we can process I can a thousand. Speak a thousand words a minute. You just have to listen a lot better for me. <laughs> Some can get pretty darn close. Fail. <laughs> but it's understanding. You know, we we talk a lot about positive thinking, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things, and the God of what? Peace will be with you. What's the first word? Whatever is what? Is whatever is is that word whatever is positive? Whatever is what? Oh, it's whatever I believe is true. Oh, that works really well. <laughs> yeah, is that working? It's not working for me very well at all. Have anyone ever got into a conversation with your spouse or someone else over the truth of something? And we've talked about that a lot. I mean, I don't know how many times I've held up a box or a book, right? I said one side described this side, the other described that side. You're both talking about the same thing, but you're looking at it from different perspectives, and too often we argue over the perspective. You know, if I said, okay, I want you to look to the front of this room. What's the front of the room? Which direction's the front of the room? These are round tables. The front of the room really could be that way. We're standing here, so we assume this is the front of the room. The, the TV's here. That could be the front of the room. But from where I'm looking, that's the front of the room. That's the doors. That's where everyone enters in. That's the front of the building, right? No, that's back. 
<laughs> I mean, it's so easy to twist things, right? And, and argue your perspective. But the real question is, is it in the conversation important to know which is the front or what the content is going to be in the room? So we're going to talk about a little something today. We're going to talk about our thinking patterns and what happens when something happens in the home or happens at work or happens wherever we're at. Because there are things that can occur to us that activate us. And by activating us, I don't mean waking us up. I mean tweak us or encourage us, give us joy. Because that something could be an activating event where I'm really happy. So if somebody comes up to me and I haven't seen them for a while and I give them a hug, I'm really happy in that moment. Okay, I can be really joyful. The fact that somebody came is an activating event for me to have a thought and for that thought to bring consequences. Or that activating event, that same person, for me, can be, oh no, he's happy, I'm not. Because I have a history with that individual that he doesn't. So this activating event, there are things in our life er, that will happen to us. Circumstances will be in that will activate something in us. Pastor Jason this morning said, oh yeah, I've had one of those weeks. I've heard from a couple of people this morning, I've had one of those weeks. Or months. Or years. Okay. I've had one of those. But when you look at it, has every day of every minute been one of those? So an activating event is where reality occurs. It's just life. So the question is, what happens when Jean comes in? Here's an activating event for me. Jean comes in and says, I can't believe you have Could you just take out the garbage once in your lifetime? Hi, bitch. What? I used to. <laughs> Once in your lifetime, could you just please take out the garbage? I'm going to put it back a little bit further. What about mom always used to get on him about the garbage and about how he didn't take out the garbage properly? Okay? My mother-in-law had to have my kids clean their sneakers before they went out. Okay, exactly. To play in the mud. To play in the mud. All right, to go outside in the snow and, and the mush and the slush, the sneakers had to be cleaned before they went out. All right? So. Feel bad for me now, don't you? <laughs> I understand so much more now. Oh. <laughs> well, uh -huh. my mother in law also, when my kids were in their young teens, laid out their clothes for them that day. Okay? All right? because mom was particular. She had certain ways that things had to be done, and when we got in from the airport after flying cross-country on a Monday, she needed to know what we were going to have for dinner on Friday, okay? Because she needed to plan that out. And she bought pork chops. This <laughs> Very thin pork chops, yes. Yeah. But, um, so I don't know any of this history, and now I tell him to take out the garbage. And his response is explosive. A more realistic one. 
because there, uh, Gene has never done that. But this this did occur actually. We were getting ready, and Gene, we were living together at the time. This was before Christ, and Gene pulled down a belt to and you know she just yanked it down, hit herself in the eye with the buckle. Oh no! All right, Gene knows very little of my family history. We get together with my mom. Her eye is black. My mom says, what happened? Gene says, your son hit me. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. No, seriously, my mom flipped. His dad was so abusive, he would hold knives to throats, punch holes through the wall. When Ron was less than 18 months old, picked him up by the hair and then dropped him. Okay. A raging, raging alcoholic. Wow. Raging alcoholic, and here I am, not knowing this. Okay, even though we were in enough of a relationship that I moved in with Ron. All right, Ron didn't share that part of him, and here I am telling his mother that Ron hit me. So that's an activating event for my mom. She has a certain belief system at this point. And she flipped. She flipped at me. Jean had to talk her off the ledge. No, I'm just kidding, you know. But by then, it it was the activating event, and it got the emotions up, okay? Oftentimes, what ends up happening in our lives routinely, there's activating events that cause us to think something. No, I'm sorry. There are activating events that cause us to feel something. But in between, there's a thought that we don't even realize we're having. And that's the important thing. We oftentimes go from the event to the feeling that we forget that there's a whole thought in there. Because we've become so accustomed to something. You ready to not like me? Go for it. So, what happened at Safeway today? (laughs) I didn't get the coffee I ordered. That's what happened. So, go ahead, tell the story. We went to Safeway, (laughs) right, specifically to get real coffee, okay, and the gentleman behind the Starbucks counter was having a lot of problems, like a lot of problems, like more problems. It took, what, 15, 20 minutes to make three drinks? I could have driven to Port Chicago and back. <laughs> okay, a lot of problems. And Ron is kind of... Okay, so his event was what? I wasn't getting stuff on time. Okay. How long does it take to make coffee? Seriously. <laughs> All right, and what was your belief system behind that? Belief system? I don't know. That it shouldn't take 15 minutes to make a cup of coffee. That's my belief. The guy's an idiot? That's kind of where I was going. What? And the consequences, the response level was I was impatient. I I wasn't mad at him. I didn't flip out at him. Gene saw that I was impatient. I kind of hid behind a corner. I don't think he could actually see me. And then I finally looked at Gene. I said, I got to walk outside. I just got to get out of here. Because not all the drinks were ready at a particular time. 
so we got this we got this whole thing going on and i know exactly what the belief system was can I tell you what your belief system was in that circumstance? Wow, yes, go ahead. Because this is about to be another activating event. You tell me what my belief system is. Because we discussed it this morning. We discussed it this morning. It's that sense of entitlement. Yeah, it is. I was, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. All right, it's that sense of entitlement. I paid good money for these drinks. All right, we live in America. It shouldn't take 20 minutes to do this. It's called fast food for a reason. Okay, if you were competent. So no, it's that sense of entitlement. It's that sense of entitlement. So let's think about that for a moment. Think about the last time you were angry with your spouse or partner. Or boss or coworker. Or boss or, or coworker, neighbor. Or parent or child. Or parent. We're all good at hearing God's voice. So I'm going to ask you to get that thought on the top of your head. And now I'm going to ask you to ask God this question. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Father God. Father God. Was I feeling entitled? Was I feeling entitled? At that moment. Because oftentimes we are. That entitlement often plays into our emotional needs. I'm entitled to respect. I'm entitled to encouragement. I'm entitled to support. I'm entitled to security. To go along with what Pastor Jason said, I'm entitled to know what the full picture looks like, not just the next step. Oftentimes it is easier. I'm not saying this 100% of the time. Oftentimes it is easier to remember how somebody didn't meet our need versus how we didn't meet someone else's need. And when it's easier to see how someone else didn't need our meet, meet our need before we can see how we didn't meet someone else's need, that's where the entitlement comes in. Because the, the Declaration of Independence says that we are entitled to what? The pursuit of happiness. And the Declaration of Independence is right up there with Scripture, right? Because Scripture says, in this world you will have happiness. <laughs> yeah. I believe, and this is just a personal belief, Leaders can set the spiritual tone for their country. And even though we said that this was a nation founded under God, the founders in their declaration said, we are independent and we are entitled to the pursuit of happiness. Whereas God says, you are to pursue holiness. Happiness is just that deals with circumstances. And it could be a byproduct of holiness. It could be. Joy is more along the aspects of that. But I do believe that at that moment, 
that's the moment that this nation kind of got separated from God. One nation, you know, under God, indivisible, you know, with liberty and justice for all. Liberty to be independent. So in some ways, I think that a lot of our, a lot of the consequences that we deal with in relationships are because we are, we, we feel an entitlement towards something. And that is the biggest thing to get around, especially at work. The one thing I'm entitled to when I go to work is a paycheck. Because it's a contractual agreement, actually. If I do this, I am supposed to get this. So actually, I'm entitled to a paycheck. I'm not entitled to respect. I'm not entitled to any of that. I'm entitled to the paycheck. When I come into this relationship with Gene, one of the things that helps me with my thinking is recognizing that I am not entitled to have Jean meet my needs just because I'm her husband. I'm not entitled to that. I hope to receive that. But if my goal is focused on receiving that, guess what I'm not doing? Generally, I'm not giving it. So it's really identifying we have these belief systems we have an activating event, we have a belief system, we have consequences to that belief system. What we have to do is identify what we're saying to ourselves because it, it should be not in positive thinking. Because, you know, if, Jean, if Jean's nagging at me, I can positively think this way. Well, she just doesn't really mean it. She's having a bad day, so I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to think the best of it. That's positive thinking. You know what the truth is? The truth is that she's a daughter of the king, that God has created her in his image, and even as a daughter of the king, guess what? My wife has faults. And oftentimes, she is not, she is not seeking to mess with me on purpose. She's not waking up in the morning thinking, how can I mess with Ron today? How can I make his life absolutely miserable today? So the truth of the matter is, if Gene is acting out in some way, the truth I should be seeking is, what need is Gene missing right now? If she's ripping into me about picking up the laundry off the floor, taking out the garbage, or whatever that is, what need is missing at that moment? Can I look beyond the behavior to understand what the need is? And this is also a process that we need to recognize for ourselves. Why are we triggered? Why do we want to run? Why do we want to explode? What is our thought pattern? I mean, so many times... How many times do we recognize what we're thinking or we just go into the emotions and then start trying to fill in the blanks? I'm angry because you. Anyone else experience that? You know, well, they didn't and I just, you know what? I'm done with it. And I, and I run away to avoid. Mm -hmm. All right. Whatever it is. 
but we don't stop. We look at the externals and we try to rationalize or justify our emotional response. And we don't stop and say, okay, Lord, why am I responding like this? I know what I'm thinking now, but really what was my thought at that moment that I got triggered? Um, I found something on Facebook that was totally fitting. My most frequent complaint toward my partner or loved one reveals my greatest emotional need, not their greatest flaw. Repeat that. My most frequent complaint toward my partner or loved one reveals my greatest emotional need, not their greatest flaw. What do you think about that? If we could stop in the midst of our emotional heightened state and realize that there's an emotional need that you have that has nothing to do with your partner. I mean, it, it could be, you could be triggered by something they say, but it's not their responsibility to fill your emotional need. really comes against my right to be offended <laughs> right which our rights were never crossed I'm sorry can you repeat that our, which part <laughs> um, where our rights our rights were nailed to the cross 2000 years ago we tend to forget that on a regular basis we tend to forget that when we're looking at at this um, you know a lot of people have seen the ABC and that it actually comes from cognitive behavioral therapy and some people say well that's not Christian and that but there's actually some really good verses you know renewing the mind um, James no um, that's Romans yeah um, but taking captive every thought and bringing it under submission but it's really when we learn to listen to the Lord and say, what lie are we believing at this moment? Anytime we have an unhealthy response, where we're angry, where we want to run and hide, where we want to, um, yeah, pretty much implode or explode, you know, where we're running in fear or whatnot, it's what is the lie that we're believing? What is the lie that we're believing? And you can do a Google search on anything. I'm feeling fearful. Scripture about fear. And gee, all these scriptures come up. I'm really angry. What does the word say about anger? I'm angry because of that, uh, because I got um, dishonored. Or mm -hmm. what does scripture say about that? Um, I'm really upset because I did look and I could not find. I have a fantastic. Um, chart and I'm gonna still try to find it for next week um, but where it says you know when I'm this this is what God's Word says when I'm you know anxious this is what God's Word when I'm feeling unloved this is what God's when I'm, so it really does a good job of giving us the word the truth to stand on and that's the thing that really what we're teaching differs from just the generic cognitive behavioral therapy process if you're not standing on the truth, God's word, 
then all you're doing is almost like changing one addiction for another. Okay, I'm not an alcoholic or a drug addict anymore, but now I'm a workaholic. It's much more socially acceptable, but it still has its dysfunctions. It's better, but it's not the best that God wants for us. And anytime we're not operating from the truth, which is God's truth, we find ourselves in danger of being pushed off the edge. You know, it, it's really hard, and I'm not saying it's easy, but one thing that I've had, I've, I've made a decision to do is one, do my best not to get offended. There are times where Jean's looking at me and she'll say, what are you thinking? And I'm breathing deep. I am choosing actually in that moment not to be offended. And it takes work. I'm not saying, you know, it, it's really easy. But I have to sometimes make a conscious choice not to be offended by something Jean says or something she does. Because that sets me into the right spot. Because, frankly, I don't have a right to be offended because that was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. I've seen people who have apologized to me for something they did. I'm sorry that I offended you. I said, well, actually, you didn't. Well, you had a right to be offended by the way I said that. Actually, no, I don't. And sometimes that just gets them more upset because, why weren't you offended then? <laughs> I'm, yeah, now I'm offended that I didn't offend you. It's like, were you trying to mess with me? But I, at that point, now I am. It, but it's a really hard place to be in. And I'm going to share with you that it's easier for me to make that choice actually with Gene than it is with others. Because I can just walk away from others. I can't walk away from Gene. So I, I, I have to... Actually, you choose not to walk away from me. Yes. There's a big difference. You choose not to walk away. Well, God tells me I can't, too, so I shouldn't be. Yeah. That's a big bonus for me. <laughs> Dad said you can't. All right. We're going to read a passage. Uh, I'm going to read a passage. It's James 1, as soon as I pull up my Bible. James 1, 14 through 15. And I want to ask you guys, um, as I read this passage, think about what James is talking about. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. What type of sin do you think James was talking about? There's different types of sins, right? There's sins of omission, sins of commission. There's sexual sins. There's other types of sins. What type of sin do you think James was talking about? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Any sin? Any sin? Anybody else? You would hear it. No, it sounds like sex to me. Right. All right. That's, that is a common verse dealing with infidelity, 
pornography issues and everything else. It is a very common verse. Sue said any sin. Define sin, Sue. Okay. Or told me to do, and I didn't do it. Okay. Anything. So, what would separate us from God? Uh, a sexual sin, obviously, would. What other types of sin would separate us from God? Lying, cheating, stealing. I think just simple disobedience, not agreeing with Him. Okay. Not agreeing with Him. I like that. Not agreeing with God. What do you think God thinks of my wife? If you ask God right now, how do you see Jean? How do you how do you think God would respond? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he's seeing with rose colored glasses. No, he's on, not. Which is what I appreciate. He's no, not. he is. No, he's seeing you he's through seeing the sun. He's seeing you through Christ. He's seeing mm-hmm. you through the sun. Okay, so now God is God is saying that, and at the same time, he's seeing his son, who I am, being aggravated with my wife. Well, he still sees me the same way, but he's also seeing me aggravated with my wife. Mm-hmm. Not, agreeing. Not agreeing with what he sees. Because I'm not seeing Jean through the cross. I'm hoping she sees me through the cross, but I don't have to see her through the cross. <laughs> but you're aggravating me, and I shouldn't be aggravating you because it's the way you're receiving me. <laughs> All right. You see Remember how we what Paul that? said? Remember what right? Paul you said? You see how we distort that, though, right? And he's not doing what Scripture says. How easily we distort. Okay, so there's this guy named Stephen Gledhill, and he wrote down that sin, I love this, sin, S-I-N, is Bible's three-letter word for self-inflicted insanity. Self-inflicted insanity. What's insanity? When our mind is not in the right place. I really personally like that new definition of sin. Self-inflicted insanity. Yes, but you're saying on your thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> when we're not, we're to have the right mind of Christ, right? We're to have the right mind of Christ. I love it. It's, yeah. And if we're not in that right mind, then at that moment, we're in self-inflicted insanity. We're not in our right mind because we're not in holiness. We're not separated and in Christ. So James 1, 14 through 15, even though it's preached a lot with respect to sexual infidelity and all this other pornography and stuff like that, it is exactly what Sue said. It relates to every single sin. So each one is tempted. This is the natural response to an activating event. So when Gene is disrespectful toward me, what is my temptation? Blow her off. Blow her off. What else is my temptation? Be offended. What else is my temptation? Get in her face. Yeah. Get in her face, right? Get mad. Now, all of those, would you say that those are my desires? 
because I'm being enticed by them. They're not net. They that my desire is to fight back. And and I need to tell you something. When we respond like that, all right, there's a physiological change that takes place. Our limbic system is going, hey, 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 danger, danger, danger. The amygdala is going, danger, danger, danger. The fire alarm goes off, you know, and it's like, we got action here, you know. But have you guys ever been at a place where the fire alarm isn't working properly and it kind of goes off on a somewhat regular basis, but you know that it's a false alarm? All right. So all of a sudden, your response, you know, maybe the first time it's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And then the third time that day when it goes off, you're like, I wish it would shut up. Okay. Yeah, it's the battery or, or whatever the case is going on, right? So if we've got a pattern where the fire alarm or amygdala is going off and all these chemicals are shooting, we have a choice to say, wait a second, is this a false alarm or is this the truth? And we can change. And that's what this ABCD is. Yeah, because oftentimes what's happening is if, if this is a repeated event, guess what happens? I begin to develop a belief system, right? Gene's just a nag. And then I begin to shut down. And I begin to separate or pull myself away from Gene. So here's how this, I'm tempted. I've drawn away by my own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived that thought that my wife is just a nag, I pull away. So it gives birth to sin. What's going to die if this is left to full full completion? This relationship is going to die. So we're not talking about just a spiritual death or just a physical death. We are talking about a relational death. Because there are things in our relationships that can cause us to be drawn away. And they don't look like big things. Well, you know, I'm not searching the internet. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But man, when I isolate myself into a room, night after night after night, guess what's happening? I'm I'm bringing this relationship. I'm 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 nailing nails in that coffin just by separating like that. The next couple of weeks, we're gonna um, and we have been talking about our thoughts a lot. If we want to change our life. We need to change our thoughts. Again, Pastor Jason, he talked how the round world can Peter be sleeping between two guards when he's supposed to be executed the next day. Right? All of us would kind of be freaking out. Oh my gosh, they're going to cut my head off tomorrow. I don't know what type of pain I'm going to be. Right? All right. But... <laughs> huh? What am I going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But Peter was sleeping. Why was he sleeping? He was sleeping because the Lord told him, you're going to die old. Hey, I ain't old yet. I'm good. He stood on the truth. Right? And it wasn't Peter's truth. It was God's truth. Because our truth is really distorted. Our truth is really, really distorted. Um, God's truth, I've got this word. I'm going to stand on it. All right. Well, maybe not stand. I'm going to go to sleep, okay? There are tendencies of thinking 
-hmm. that we're going to be discussing in the next couple of weeks. But one of the things that we would like you guys to do, on this part it's kind of laid out the A, B, C, D, E, this, this pattern of thinking. We have that activating event. What's our self-talk about it? What are, we, what are we responding? And how are we reacting? Now our response can be all three or they can be one or the other. Physiological, emotional, behavioral. All right. I'm I'm pretty good at not having physiological responses. I don't get all upset and nauseous. I don't have stomach problems or digestive problems or headaches or what when I deal with issues. Um, but occasionally, it's like a couple weeks ago, I went through something and it just I was nauseous. I don't get nauseous. I don't get the stomach flu. But it was so emotional that I got nauseous. And I had to work through, what am I believing right now? What am I believing? Because my consequence was I'm physically sick over what went on here. Physically sick with what went on. So how am I looking at it and not putting, it, putting my emotions in a nice pretty little box saying, oh well, that's just the way he or she or it is and um, they'll get over it and in the meantime I'm boxing up my emotions saying how hurt I am, how heartbroken I am over the situation, how um, disappointed I am even at God not working quicker in this circumstance, even though I know God is working in the circumstance. Um, all of those things, but to process through it to now be able to eat and not be nauseous. Okay, um, I had to think on what I was thinking. Um, so we've got this kind of pattern. On the other thing, what we'd like you to do is homework. And there is a Monday through Sunday thing. Because we guarantee that each day you will face at least one activating event. Now, let's look at it this way. Let's have fun with this. Maybe the activating event is something that caused you to feel good. Not just flip out. Because oftentimes what we do is when we do this homework, it's like, okay, we just got to search for the bad stuff. Let's start introducing some of the good stuff in there. Because there are times in which stuff happens and we feel really joyful, right? Yeah, they got what had coming to them. Wow. <laughs> That's not what I was referring to. But it could be. It could be. I'm trying to have a serious moment here. Sorry. Okay. I love you. You're pretty. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Um, that's that's a belief system. That's the truth. I am pretty. So, okay. Seriously, though, thinking about that, because oftentimes they say it takes seven good things to replace one bad thing. All right. One bad event. It takes seven compliments to remove one negative criticism. Why is that? Because we don't think on the good stuff often enough. You know how coaches actually succeed in coaching football teams? Hey, you did a really good job. You know, when you ran that pattern, and here's how you ran it, and here's why it was so effective. You know why they do that? Because they're trusting that when they tell that player that, he's going to repeat it. So if we start reflecting on an activating event, 
uh, inactivating event could be that I send Gene flowers, which I did do at work for mm -hmm. our anniversary. What did that cause you to believe and feel? He loves me. Okay. That's, a, that's an activating event. What is the belief system? He loves me. The, the consequences are what? You feel good. I feel good and lots of people recognize and oh, what beautiful flowers. Yeah, so there's nothing to, to dispute. And he sent them to work, which actually helped bring that encouragement, you know, rather than he could have had them at home, right? Mm -hmm. He could have just picked up some flowers and brought them at home. But bringing them to work, I had the additional of, oh, that's so special, and what's what, what are the flowers? Oh, we're married 36 years. And, you know, so that's an encouraging conversation. So it's good to recognize those activating events in our life and how they cause us to feel. Because we should want more of that. We really should. We focus so much sometimes on a negative activating events that we don't get that. But that being said, Monday through Sunday, there is going to be an activating event, a good one or a bad one. Log that down. What is that activating event? Talk to God. What am I believing in this moment? What am I believing about myself? What am I believing about the other person? So log that activating event. What are the consequences if I believe that lie? What's going to happen here? Is this, uh, this is going to escalate if I believe this lie. Okay, so Lord, how can I dispute this truth? And then ask the Lord for a word. Ask the Lord what the truth is in this moment. Because when God reveals that truth to us, it's going to reveal something completely different. We're going to have a different feeling towards something. It's a natural outflow of that. Our emotions will change. God's word says that godly repentance, no, godly sorrow brings true repentance. But man's sorrow brings death. It's only when we can see something through God's eyes that we can have true sorrow over that. God, how did this make you feel? How did this make you feel? And that's what I love about God so much. Is And this is one of the things we talk about for inner healing and everything else. We know that God is everywhere at every moment. But what we fail to realize is that sometimes God has emotions. So one of the most effective things that we found is when people are really struggling with something that occurred in their past or even in their present. God, how did you feel when that happened to me? When we ask God that question and give him the opportunity to share his emotions with us, all of a sudden we're no longer alone. And Gene shared it last week. Our biggest danger is feeling alone, is being alone. God, how did this make you feel? The same process works when we see someone else that we have hurt or that is hurting. Lord, how does your heart feel for that person? Can I safely assume that when most of us hurt someone else, we recognize that we've hurt them? Is that a safe assumption to make? That we've been a bonehead and we've hurt them 
Not always the case. But Not always often. the case, but often. I would challenge you in this moment, when that happens, take a moment and say, God, how did you feel about that? And God, I can assure you, if you hear God say, I can't believe you were such a knucklehead, it's probably not God. It's probably the enemy who's firing it, firing into that ear of yours. Because when you ask God how he feels, he's not going to attack your character. He's going to tell you how he feels. I felt really sad. And hopefully that sadness that God feels will break your heart. Because that's what godly sorrow is. That's what brings true repentance. Lord, how did it make you feel? So, this 10 R's for replacing lies with truth was a really good um, list that we just kind of ran across in the general rambling. And it, it primarily focuses with the lies that we tell ourselves and our identity in Christ. But this list can actually be used for any circumstance. Um, what's the lie that I'm a believing in this moment? You know, if I've got a negative response, what's the lie that I'm believing? Understand where that lie comes from. We have to repent for believing the lie. When we believe something that's against God's word, that's sinning, right? Because God wants obedience from us. He wants us to believe the truth. And, you know, some people's like, oh, well, I'm just a rotten, no good person, and now I've got to repent for believing that I'm a rotten, no good person when it's really the, you know, it's it's. It doesn't have to be that deep. It's just, you know what, Lord, my mind has been awakened, that I'm not living your truth, that you have fearfully and wonderfully made me, that you have fearfully and wonderfully made. So and so. The barista. <laughs> he did. Okay. Um, to release any offenders, including yourself. Lord, I did it again. I hurt this person. Lord, I choose to release and free myself. I choose to forgive myself. I choose to forgive them. And I choose to no longer hold on to the lie. How, how many? How many? Like, how many people in this room know how to drive a car? When you get into the car, and I've asked this before, do you think? Okay, go through a mental checklist. I have to put on my seatbelt. I have to adjust the side mirror. I have to adjust. Do you guys do that every time you get into the car? Or do you just do it? You just do it. Just do it. Okay. Did you do it from day one? The first time you sat in the car, you just kind of said, okay, there we go, I'm done. Okay? It takes multiple times. And then if you ever got a rental car or a new car, you got to start going through that checklist again because you're in a different situation and you have to mentally go through that checklist. That's the, the process. So if we still are dealing with the same concept multiple times, it's okay. My, my thing is, sometimes God takes it like this, 
and we learn it and we get it and it's all good. Most of the time, it's a learning process that we have to keep revisiting and the truth, quotation mark, that we have lived, quotation mark, all our lives that are actually lies aren't going to be, oh, God's word says this. Okay, I don't believe this anymore. Right? We have to walk in that process of choosing to believe God's truth and counteracting the lies that we were taught as truth. If you grew up in a household where people are calling you stupid and you're never going to amount to anything, and why are you so clumsy? All right? And now the Lord is telling you, I've given everything you need. You are made in my image. You have intelligence. You have all of these things. But for 20 years, I grew up in a household that people are telling me I'm stupid and I'm clumsy. And guess what? I don't know all the answers. And sometimes I do trip. So obviously I am stupid. No, I'm not stupid. It, it, it's hard and it's a process that we have to keep walking through until all of a sudden we realize, you know what? I was given 10 times to agree with the lie that I'm stupid. And I only agreed with it eight times today. And maybe tomorrow I only agree with it five times. And maybe next month I only agreed with it once. It's a process oftentimes. It doesn't mean you're never going to. But eventually we have to relinquish. And we do that by renewing and receiving God's truth. And literally, hey, I got it in my head. I can't tell you how many years. I know God loves me, but I don't feel it. I know God loves me. I know he thinks I'm his child. I know he thinks, but inside, I don't feel any of that. It took me a number of years before my feelings caught up to my thinking. As long as you're continually standing on the truth, the rest of us will catch up, meaning our body and our emotions. And then reflect God's truth to others. And that also means so we can reflect it to others, share it with others, but also understand that God's truth is in those individuals as well. So when we look at others, are we seeing God's truth or are we seeing our perception? Because God's truth is through the cross. You know, I've said it many times. We really want, on Judgment Day, we really want God to look at us through the cross of Christ, don't we? Then my hope is that we start seeing others through that very same cross. Because that's, that's what it's about. That's what God wants us to do. And it, it can be really hard. So my hope is that, and here's my hope, and I hope to make it your hope. Because I know there's going to be a time this week where Gene's going to really aggravate me. Wishful thinking? <laughs> Just being a realist. There's going to be a time during this coming week that Gene's going to really aggravate me. I might not really aggravate you. I but, might just aggravate okay, you. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, we already got it. Wow, it did not take long at all. Wow. 
my hope is that rather than getting tweaked, I can just respond with, God, why is Gene acting like this? What's going on with Gene? And how can I help you love her? That's my hope for you guys. How can I help you love her? That's or what, love him. Or love him. Yeah. Whatever the the is. Whether it be a worker at home, doesn't matter. Questions, comments, or snide remarks? Yes, ma'am. I appreciate how she defined sin when she made it personal for her. Yes. She said, it's what I said. I believe in sin. Because sometimes everybody else may not agree. And it's better to not do it and find out it wasn't a sin than to do it and find out that yeah. it was like you said, because you made it personal. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, in agreement with that one. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, you're in alignment with that one, with God's word, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not seen as sinners in God's eyes because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, um, which is kind of like this weird dichotomy. Because we choose not to live in the fullness of Christ, but he sees us in the fullness. Isn't that Paul says, um, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't yeah. want to do, I don't yeah. use this powerful stuff. Yeah. All right, anything else? It made me think about one time I was at church and I invited um, a member's son to my daughter's birthday party on Sunday. And she was like, he can't, that's the Lord's Day, he can't go to a birthday party on a Sunday. And I was like, what? I just thought that was ridiculous. But for her, it was a sin. Mm -hmm. That's how she felt, and that's how the Lord had convicted her heart. Right. So it wasn't for me to judge exactly. sin for her. Exactly. Sir? One thing that you said to me years ago that I always hold close to my heart is that repentance is agreement with God. And that we are to stand on the truth, God's truth, not necessarily our own. Um, and I like how that kind of intertwines with what you were saying about entitlement. Um, and that we are really not entitled to anything. Um, thank you. All right. Let's pray. Father, you're a good, good father. And we really do love you. So I'm going to ask you, everybody, to put your hands on your heart. If you're holding your partner's hand, put your other hand on your heart. I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. Father God, Father God, help me to see the truth. Help me to see the truth. For all the activating events in my life this week. For all the activating events in my life this week. And help me to respond. And help me to respond. With your love. With your love. For the other person. For the other person. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you prayed it.